start. Welcome. I'm Mira Rapp Hooper, Stephen A. Schwartzman Senior Fellow for Asia Studies at the Council on Foreign Relations and Senior Fellow at Yale Law School's Paul Tsai China Center. And I'm Paul Post, Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Chicago and a non-resident foreign policy fellow at the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. We're chatting today about alliances, which is something we've both put a lot of thought into. Paul recently published Arguing About Alliances with Cornell University Press, while I just published Shields of the Republic with Harvard. Yes, and that's why this should be really a lot of fun and a very interesting conversation uh, to have today. So let's just jump right into it. And I have to say that one of the benefits of the Trump administration is that the general public has heard more about alliance relations in the past three years than probably any time since, well, maybe ever. So what would you expect, let's think hypothetically here, going forward, what would you expect if Trump is reelected? What is the fate of U.S. alliances in a second Trump term? Well, Paul, I've certainly heard other analysts speculate that Trump would pull the United States out of some of its alliances, maybe leaving NATO altogether, abrogating that treaty commitment. But I tend to think he doesn't really need to end treaties to dismantle the alliance system. Now, history shows us that when a U.S. president is really determined to exit an alliance, he probably can get away with it if he wants to. Richard Nixon, after all, ended the American alliance with Taiwan and also uh, ended the Southeast Asia Treaty Organization. The end to the alliance with Taiwan caused a huge uproar in Congress, but nevertheless, there was no way to prevent the United States from exiting that treaty. So the president probably does have that power. That said, as I've written with legal scholar Matt Waxman, it would be a whole lot easier for Trump to simply continue to weaken America's alliances within, such as by withdrawing troops that support those commitments. He's already planning to do this in Germany and could easily do the same in South Korea or Japan if he does get a second term. So I see that as the path of least resistance. Why create all that uproar in Congress and domestically if you can just use other tools at your disposal to weaken those alliances from within? But I don't know. What do you think, Paul? I think you're exactly right. And I think that what you are suggesting that he might do of alliances would be consistent with what he has done, or I should say more accurately, what he's maybe able to do with some of other U.S. international commitments. There are definitely some agreements that he can pull the United States out of because they're not binding treaties, the the Paris Agreement being a good example of that. But there's others such as the WHO, where he says he wants to pull the United States out of it, but then it turns out that it's a treaty commitment. And so the path of least resistance, as you say, is for him to just cut back U.S. funding to the WHO rather than pulling the U.S. out altogether. And so I think exactly what you're saying about what he could do with U.S. alliances, I think is exactly right. He'll opt for weakening them as opposed to just fully removing from them. Well, Paul, I want to hear more from you on this topic, specifically what would happen if he did do these things, what the consequences would be. Your book book focuses on why states fail to form alliances, and you show that things like incompatible war plans or more attractive political alternatives is the reason why. So this is a reminder that allies can always look for alternatives. Do American allies have alternatives if Trump tries to continue weakening the system? 
I really don't think they do. I think that especially if you look at the history of U.S. allies since World War II, you can see that one of the reasons that they've turned to the United States is that there were just not a lot of viable alternatives. Um, in the European case, there were many times the Europeans had tried to establish some sort of alternative with the European defense community, as an example. Or more recently, we had, of course, uh, President Macron talking about developing a European army. But is that really going to come to pass? I'm very skeptical. I don't think that's going to happen. And if you look over in East Asia, it's very similar. Who would these states turn to? They might band together, but ultimately they're going to need the help of some major power. It's not going to be Russia. They're worried about China, so they're going to turn to the United States. So no, I don't think there's an alternative. You know, that's a great point, Paul. I tend to agree. There's certainly not a great power alternative. There's really not a chance of U.S. allies realigning themselves with China. Um, but I do think there's another interesting dynamic at play that might be a little bit more subtle. And that is the fact that if they're worried about their alliance commitment, American allies can push for greater autonomy and seek to chart a more independent defense course. I think to some degree, we're already seeing glimmers of this with Australia recently having announced a new defense posture, Japan shelving a major missile defense purchase and looking at the possibility of gaining long-range strike capabilities, and South Korea reaching agreement with the United States to extend the range of its own missiles. Theoretically, all these decisions could be integrated into a common alliance approach, but they also kind of look like allied hedging. It looks to me like allies in Asia may be preparing for a world perhaps in which Trump is reelected and they have to depend more on their own defenses. So this question may not remain in the realm of theory for all that much longer. No, it may not at all. And so I think that that's probably a good point to end on is just these are things that one would want to keep an eye on looking forward. And, you know, we'll we will know soon enough whether what we've talked about is hypothetical or not. But otherwise, Mira, this has been a lot of fun chatting with you today. And hopefully people will take a lot from what they heard from us. Great to talk to you, Paul. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.